1: I'm in New York, imagining my future of what city comes after, and I feel like shit. My boobs are sore, and my pants are too tight, and I'm so tired. I blame it on my period, starting the fatty foods, the heat, walking across the city. I make excuses. I stare at my phone in the bunk beds of the hostel, watch his Instagram story, he's out partying again. I know that when I get home, I should end whatever this is between us, because Watching this, no response to my last text. Well, it makes me feel like shit, too. I make more excuses on his behalf. I don't feel like I'm on my side when I'm with him. Nolan is supposed to meet me out for sushi. He misses his flight to the city, and I fall asleep instead. I'm sitting in an airport when Flo tells me I'm late. I push it down until I'm at the Walgreens by my house buying a pack of tests. I do not use them that night because Nolan invites me for a makeup, and I happily accept I spend the next few hours laughing and seeing a reflection of myself in him that I appreciate. The next morning, I take two tests. And then somewhere in between Target and the third box, I am texting Clark to ask what he's doing today to see if he'll respond. When he does and he tells me he's going to a concert with his roommate, Ben, I'm another box deep. I Google how to tell your partner you're pregnant. I am happy. I am confused. I feel powerful at how fast I can make the test change colors. I ask if I can call, and it's important. I'm sitting at my island, an old doctor's table, when he calls as per my my request. I can't remember the words I managed to string together before I get to, so we have a problem, and I hate that I've called it that because I don't think it is. I put my hand on my belly, it feels tight and full, and I silently apologize, and I find the words to tell him I'm pregnant. I can't remember anything more than telling him. I wanted to wait to tell him until I was sure, but I'm sure, and I don't want to be alone with this information anymore. I can hear him sigh, and it sounds just like the one he makes in bed before the day begins, and he's not sure what lays ahead. I can practically... See him push his hair back in that way that he does, and I hear Ben in the background. He asks what I want to do, and I say that I'm not sure. And I think to myself, that's probably bullshit, because I'm starting to look for a doctor. And suddenly he has to go to the concert. I carry my head in my hands, and I can't believe I've procreated with a 29-year-old who's probably buzzed at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and going to a Tempe and Paula show. I'd ask him now how he got through that show if he said anything to his roommates. He calls me late and I'm near sleep on the couch and he asks me to come meet him. I pass Ben walking out the bar and I wave and I wonder what he knows. When I get to the bar and sit next to him, he touches my stomach and I realize he looks proud for a second before he tells me he wants to fuck me in the bathroom because we made something and it turns him on. I think this must be what it's like to tell a partner and have it be exciting. Something to look forward to. I like this moment. Sometimes I go back and I live in this moment. Him smiling at me, telling me he's impressed. We somehow managed to, despite my birth control implant, the moonlight, that rooftop, me giggling in the bathroom where I've gone to pee, him following behind me, me saying, I'm not going to do that. And him saying, I know, and so sweetly saying, I just want to look at you and kiss you. I live in this moment. Us holding each other in that bathroom because I can see it. His brown hair and my brown eyes. A future. And for an hour, I get a teammate. In a blur, we cross the street because he wants another drink and he's telling me he can't finish it because he's too drunk and I shouldn't. It's early, it won't matter. This will next week turn into, but you drink. You don't know that that's not already fucked out. There are exactly 12 days between that night and my abortion. They are vast and sometimes hazy and robotic and full of mindlessness at work and long talks with two friends that I have told that I am pregnant. One who says that she thinks that I know what I want, but I have just got to be brave enough, and that she will hold my hand either way. They are full of extremes of him not answering my texts unless they are about appointments, him telling me he wouldn't make a good dad, and how my parents are split, and I wouldn't want that for my kid, would I? And how he won't be able to financially contribute. How can I just think about doing this for him, for his future? I think my mind has buried the traumatic parts of these conversations to save me from myself sometimes. I'm confused laying on my couch. I am Googling how to be a single mother. I am telling him that I never pictured doing this with a partner. So much of my life has been on traditional. And I think this is just one more thing. We are at a picnic table. We are at that restaurant. I am back at that fucking rooftop and somehow, I am standing at his door. I am holding on to the edges of that green sweater that I cannot bear to wear anymore, because it reminds me that I did not stay on my side. And I'm telling him I can't, that I can't go to Georgia tomorrow, that this is my baby, this is my chance. And he begs and he pleads and he tells me that he feels like throwing himself off the bridge that separates the parts of our city. And I can't sit next to him. I'm on the other end of the couch and he's crying and he's asking me what I'm afraid of if I do it. And he tells me that he'll be there for me, that he loves me. And this won't be the only chance that we could to have children together. And he asks if he can hold me and he kisses me and I give in and we make love. And Endearing on that couch, I think how he must have just not heard me when I said that I wouldn't be able to come back from this. Because I want this. This growing inside me, this tightness, this unknown path. It's okay. But deep down, I know I want a teammate more. Someone who loves me. So I believe him. I listen to him. And we are driving to Georgia. I realize that last night was the first time that he tells me that he loves me. I stare out at the windows and I look at the mountains and I wonder if I open the door and I jumped out, would I die? When we go back in that little room and the nurse asks like, I feel like I'm being pressured. I lose my voice and I forget how to yell. Forget how to scream yes. And I think of him sitting in that little waiting area and I take note that he is the only man there. He will bring this up later. And I wonder if, He will still take me home if I refuse to go back into that little room. She asks if I want to see the ultrasound, and I want to rip that picture she prints from my file and keep it somewhere safe and run away from this little room. And instead, I come out, and he's sitting there with his AirPods in. And God, I hated AirPods irrationally for months after this because it reminds me of him not listening to me because he won't take them out and look at me. I want him to look at me and and see that I don't wanna be here. And why can't I ask for help? I feel like I am watching this moment outside of my body. Where the hell is the powerfulness that I felt two weeks ago? And why can't I walk out that door? And I think if I do this, he'll be there for me. And I go back there and I take that pill. And I leave the office building with a paper bag and instructions and this boy, who still won't look at me. And he tells me how tired he is and asks if I can drive home. And I think how stupid I must be as I agree. And I switch him seats at the gas station. I watch as deep sleep overtakes his six, four frame in the passenger seat. And I cry. I cry the entire three hours home from Atlanta to Nashville. And each hour feels like a new rage that I will hold against him for not waking the fuck up. I take a picture of him asleep in the passenger seat. Since this seems like a memory that even in this moment, that I will need to remember and recall when I romanticize him. We get back to my studio apartment and he queues up Hulu, suggests finishing up Handmaiden's Tale, which we've been watching for weeks. And I sob when the actress has her baby on the screen and asks to hold her. He won't touch me as I cramp. He looks annoyed when I ask for water and tries to make a joke. He texts someone to cancel something when I ask him to stay the night. I will think of this moment when he later tells me that it was our abortion when we fight at a bar a few weeks later, and I I think that he didn't even want to be here. So how is it ours? I think of how he's asleep at the edge of my bed when I see what could have been my brown eyes and his brown hair at the bottom of my toilet bowl. And I think about the speck of blood on my hands that will be on the bottom of my bathroom wall until I move out because I will use that wall to steady myself against as I saw. And I hate him for being able to sleep, for choosing to be asleep, and I realize that I am doing this alone. He wakes at the crack of dawn and says that he needs to wash his scrubs, so he needs to leave, and he looks at me in pain on my couch, and I can just tell he won't be coming back here willingly. By the way, he takes me in with his eyes, and it takes 20 minutes after the door clicks to think that maybe he was lying. And this is when I begin to question him. As the day goes on, and the night ahead, and the silence of my phone, I am alone. He will not be there for me. He does not ask how I am doing, if there is anything to bring me. I see his Instagram story at a bar when I wake up on my couch in the middle of the night. I let my mind go back to that rooftop. I look at that picture in the car. I feel empty. I am alone. He's one. I do not hear from him for four days. Peer-pressured abortions are often left out of the conversation when we talk about abortion rights. There is a whole host of men in this country that have forced their partners in, be it coercion, abusive relationships, or just simple mind games. I did not realize it at the time, but my story is one of manipulation. My partner was purposely using weak points in my history, such as my parents' divorce, or my worries about money, or my worries about my career, or the time that I spent on having activities outside of my social life and with friends. And he played on his weakness of knowing that I was in love with him. And I had thought that he had loved me too. It was eight days after my abortion experience, the story that I had described in the last portion of this recording, that I found out that he had slept with his ex-girlfriend four days after our abortion, when I was still bleeding out our abortion. Also, within that eight days, I would find out that he was going on dates with other women after I had told him I was pregnant that night of the concert. Eleven days after our abortion, I would find out that he would take another woman to his birthday party. It took me a further year and an additional instance where he used my trauma bond against me to cheat on his girlfriend at the time, the following October to make me realize that this was not a person that I should be around anymore. It's taken two years and pretty intensive therapy to finally be able to talk about my experience and realize my parts in it, and also, more importantly, his parts of it. I was removed from my choice. I just didn't realize it at the time, and I took on a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of really strong feelings that I, till this day, have to still work through. It is always a part of me, my experience. That being said, I would love to share this experience with other people because I do think there are other women out there like me that weren't on board with their choice, but went through with it anyway, because they were looking the other way for the man that they loved. Even though they realized now that's not the person they loved. They don't even know who they loved. I wrote that piece that I read earlier after a very intensive workshop with the Excel ProVoice community, which I am so grateful for. At one point in my healing journey, I had replaced Clark's number with the Excel hotline and anytime I wanted to call him, I would call them. They helped me through the lowest moments of my life and also helped me to repair myself. If you or anyone you know was coerced into an abortion or manipulated please reach out. They're there to support you. Or if you're just having conflicting feelings about their abortion, again, reach out. It's okay to feel. 833-246-2632. And I'm also
0: always here to reach out to you.